back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubbs at the Club, your Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau. Joined, we, we got a couple, a couple of important guests. First, viewers can see over my left, over my right, left shoulder, left shoulder, but it looks like the right. The, the the infamous duster is still there, so no worries, dudes. But in the studio, it's a two-man crew. I'm joined today by. Trevin Pixley, covering University of Idaho for the Lewiston Tribune. Trevin, how's it going? Pretty good, man. I am hyped to be back. I'm hyped to uh, direct you guys back on the right track. You know, that's that's uh, that's kind of been my thing. I, you know, I've I've been trying to fit that in 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 more places everywhere I go. I feel like I can't even I can't even say the phrase like in a meaningful sense anymore. Now I need to find out how to give you a title underneath because you are, you're obviously the right track conductor, man. So, uh, and we're, dude, already amateur hour. I failed to have a mountaineer minute so we can talk about uh, any new recruits to Western Colorado. Bart Holt in the comments section. You can start right now. I have a shot of snake river whiskey approved by the Montana liquor, liquor control board in hand. And Hey, look, that's our, that's, that's the show sponsor, Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey. Another little Easter egg you guys can see over my left shoulder. We've got a couple bottles we'll be talking about later. By the way, Jason, one of these bottles has your name on it, dude, this Saturday. But uh, look, before we talk Sacramento State, uh, Trevin got an audible from the plan we went over backstage a minute ago. I want to get your 60 to 90 second uh, reaction to Idaho Cal. You wrote a column that uh, essentially went over some of your thoughts. But real quick, dude, because you didn't do the instant reaction, what was your takes from Idaho going down 31 to 17 at Cal Berkeley? Look, they I think the first 20 minutes, they looked like a team that can go to Frisco, right? They looked like a team that can compete for a national championship. But, you know, after they allowed the 31 unanswered points, I think they they showed the weaknesses that they showed last year in games that they lost. You know, they allowed 200 yards rushing. You know, they allowed them to get some momentum and, you know, maybe made some bad decisions down the stretch. I know Jason Eck came into that game. He wanted to go for it on all those fourth downs. I think on that fourth and four, fourth and six, you kind of got a game changer in punter Ricardo Chavez. I think he flips field there. Your defense is pretty solid. You know, maybe Idaho's a little bit more competitive there uh, at the end. But overall, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme that they lost it, but it would have mattered a lot if they won it. Now you you're right. Other thing I want to bring up, and when I say you're right specifically right now, Chavez has looked like a much better punter this year. Yeah, I think it's not even. I don't think it's really remotely close. Uh, last year I would have said punting was not a, his relative strength, and he's looked good. But we have an entire instant reaction episode. You've got a column people can check out from the Lewiston Tribune going in detail there. So we we've got a game to preview where. Number four, Sacramento State is traveling to Moscow to take on number seven, your Idaho Vandals. And look, before we go into who Sacramento State is, I just want to take one second, guys. A top 10 matchup, like a real top 10. This isn't like Idaho top 10, then playing top five Portland State. A real top 10 matchup in week one of the conference season without going into the conference realignment talk that is never going to go away. This is the type of Idaho situation the Big Sky offers Idaho. And mm-hmm. it's about damn time. This is where we've we've wanted to be. It went with relative to the Big Sky. This is where we've wanted Idaho to be. Where 
Idaho is understood as towards the top of the big sky. And then we get some marquee big sky games and the home slate is kick ass. As far as marquee games, it's all playoff. It's all, all but Idaho state, our potential playoff teams. There's no way to get through this conference season in the big sky and make the playoffs without beating some playoff caliber teams. And that's what Idaho gets a shot with right away. Quick background. You're going to be on the shelf for a minute, Trevin. Who the heck is Sacramento State? So a Sacramento State, one, this is this is the, the school that has a share of the Big Sky Championship in each of the last three normal seasons. They didn't play the COVID year. But 2019, 2021, and 2022, Sacramento State either won the conference outright like they did in 21 or in uh, 2019 and 2022, they, t- they had a share of the conference championship. Last season, Sac State goes 12-1. and one. On the season, their only loss was in the national quarterfinals, 66-63 to Incarnate Word. In what, to me, maybe the most entertaining FCS game of the entire year. The Sacramento State on the year in 2022 went 4-1 and versus playoff teams, including an FBS win over Colorado State, which was a 41-10 to blowout. On the strength of that season, that three-year run, head coach Troy Taylor leaves for Stanford. And former defensive coordinator Andy Thompson takes over. He's now the head coach. Andy Thompson has been a coordinator for quite some time in the Big Sky. This is his first head coaching gig. Um, honestly, Andy Thompson has one of the most interesting what-if storylines of his coaching career. So he, before coming to Sacramento State with Troy, Troy Taylor in 2019, he had been at Northern Arizona under Jerome Sowers for nine seasons as a defensive coordinator from 2009 to 2018. 2018, Jerome Sowers gets fired from NAU, which means the staff at NAU gets fired as well. And for roughly 45 seconds, Andy Thompson decided he he had signed and Southern Utah has a press release. You can still find this. Andy Thompson was going to hitch, was going to hitch a ride on the DeMario Warren train to nowhere at Southern Utah. Honestly, like not even a month or so after that announcement, there's a separate press release by Sacramento State with Andy Thompson going along with Troy Taylor. And in looking that that three-year span I talked about with Sacramento State, not counting the COVID year, Southern Utah won 11 total games, five of which came last year. And Sacramento State has three titles and won 12 games last year. So what a decision. Yeah, yeah, that's a fork in the road. And and honestly, it wasn't a brain dead fork in the road at the time because Troy Taylor took over a team that won a single game the year before. But uh, Andy Thompson saw something. He's been a guy around the big sky forever. He played at University of Montana. So that's that's the Andy Thompson background, man. Um, another important thing for Sacramento State that's different is like Troy Taylor called plays last season. Sacramento famously was completely bifurcated in how the team was organized where Andy Thompson was, he was just the defensive head coach and Troy Taylor was open saying, yeah, I don't really have anything to do with the defense. So I coach the offense. So Troy Taylor called plays on the offensive side. They've got a new OC con plays a guy named Bobby Fresques, or I'm sure I pronounced his name wrong. He previously was the quarterback coach under Troy Taylor at Sacramento state from 2019 to 2022. Before that, the dude was a career high school coach, coached in the Bay Area from 1999 to 2018. Uh, so that's the coaching background of, of Sacramento State. As a you know schematic kind of background, defense is 4-3. 
offense has multiple formations, but uh, the team is a little bit run first. They've rushed it 130 times in three games this season, passed it 86. So a little bit over a 1.5 to one rush to pass ratio is what we're looking at with Sacramento state. So that's the basics, but Trevin, what stands out to you about Sacramento state? Look, there's a lot to stand out. There's, they sit at three and O they blew out two shitty Southland teams and then just beat Stanford 30 to 23 last week. So with that, uh, what concerns you about Sacramento state from the Idaho perspective? Yeah. You know, you look at Sacramento state and I think at the beginning of the year with big sky pre uh, preseason with the media and the coaches pool, obviously there was like that whole gap with Idaho, Montana state, Sac state, you know, everything was kind of scattered. And I think a big reason, you know, maybe some people didn't believe Sacramento state was still in that mix is because they lost those two quarterbacks and uh, Scatabo. And, you know, they're like, oh, well, they're not going to be in the mix anymore. But they still brought a lot of guys back, you know, namely on the offensive and defensive line where they are huge. And that's why they can run the ball so well. And Idaho right now, after giving up 200 yards against Cal, which is famously how Idaho loses games, you know, might not look so good in this one. No, you're, you're right, man. Hit the offensive line real quick, dude. They, they return – they don't exactly return every single starter because due to injuries, not, not the same offensive linemen started every game, mm-hmm. but essentially 80% of the starting s- snaps for Sacramento state on the offensive line are back this year, uh, headlined by preseason, all big, big sky lineman, Jackson Slater. And look behind Slater, we have preseason, all big sky running back Marcus Fulcher who's averaging right right around five yards per carry on the season. He's not the top rusher for Sacramento state. Uh, And we're hitting on the ground on purpose for a moment, guys, because like I said, the team rushes about one and a half times for every, uh, every single, every pass, but on the ground, look, Caden Bennett, the quarterback who rushes both opportunistically and on quite a few design run plays. He has Bennett leads the way for Sac State in total yards. He's rushed 33 times for 239 net yards. Like I said, Marcus Fulcher, who uh, he's a senior. This is his first year as kind of the lead lead running back. He's averaging four and a half yards per carry. Between Bennett and Fulcher, that's seven rushing touchdowns. As a, as a team, Sacramento State is averaging 5.1 yards per carry with eight rushing touchdowns in the very – you know, three games in uh, – Big, three games in 2023 season. Uh, but I want to talk about Caden Bennett for one more moment. He's a, he's a quarterback already covered that the guy can run. He has a physique that's pretty similar to Giovanni McCoy. Uh, so he's not running up the gut like Tommy Malott or Sean Chambers from Montana state. He'll run up the middle opportunistically, but for the most part, he's running around the outside through the air. Bennett's been pretty effective. He was not the day one starter. That was Carson camp. Uh, but they're in the first game of the season against Nickel State. Sac State had not decided who their number one quarterback was. And then Caden uh, Bennett won that matchup almost immediately and has been the starter since on this on the season. He's 46 of 71 through the air, passed for four touchdowns and three picks, 225 yards passing per game. Uh, but look, that's. We we that's one of the things about the Sacramento State offense. Um, you probably notice like, hey, he hasn't thrown like a million touchdowns, but he's accounted for seven on his own. B- Bennett has accounted for seven touchdowns on his own. Offensively, the team is steady. Uh, they have 
the, their lowest scoring output on the season is 30. That was last week against a sack against Stanford, but in those two shitty Southland games, a high scoring output was against was against Nichols scoring 38. So right now the team is pretty steady, but if, if not that explosive, they're steady, you know, ranging between 38 and 30, averaging about 34 on the season. Um, offensively, they can do both. They both they can hurt you th- through the air. They're going to hurt you a little bit more on the ground, which isn't shocking for a team coached by a defensive guy, Trevin. Uh, not at all. It's like Sacramento State has really rotated their their offensive identity the last few years, um, and they they just look a little bit more run heavy right now. Which again, defensive head coach, one of the least shocking things in the world. Anything else offensively that makes you a little bit anxious from the Idaho end, looking at Sacramento State? Yeah. So. I think the thing with Bennett is that he just he, he understands it, right? Like I think being a junior and having I know obviously that there's a coaching change, but it's it's kind of similar in the way that he's been around uh, these guys for a while now because he hasn't left the program, right? You know, so I think he's he's a guy that's smart. He understands what he's doing, and you know he's not making a, a ton of bad decisions. So I like what he's doing offensively, and as a runner, that is going to be. Idaho's biggest test because Idaho, they're downright bad. They're downright bad at stopping quarterbacks who can run the ball. And if he can get loose and whether that's, you know, improvising design runs, you know, Idaho is going to have a long game and something I'd like to see, you know, and I know we're not going to go over the offense quite yet, but Idaho needs to go back to, some time of possession, right? Kind of maintaining possession of the ball. You know, they have a lot of these weapons with uh, Jermaine, Hayden, Therese, TJ Ivy, these tight ends. They have a lot of options everywhere. So it's it's easy to score at will when you have that. But, you know, maybe time to slow down, try to get back to owning that time of possession. We're going to get to that in a moment because I, I think – look, that that's a longer – there's a handful of facets to hit about why Idaho may have done – what they did when it's not a secret. I, I, Idaho passed it about twice as many times as they rushed against Cal. We'll, yeah. We can talk about that later, but it, that doesn't match the first two games of Idaho season. It doesn't match the previous season. Jason Eck had before we, we have to hit a little bit more on the Sacramento state offense, because this also is a pretty talented and pretty deep group of receivers. Want to hit a few of them Look the, the big name, and it's a guy who's coming back off of injury, so his stats aren't screaming at you yet. But Sac State probably has the single best pro prospect in the entire Big Sky Conference, and that's Marshall Martin. He's a tight end. He's he's only got about five catches on the season so far, but Marshall is an All-American. He's a senior. Could have pretty easily transferred after Troy Taylor left, but he's sticking it out to finish things out in Sacramento. So, so senior tight end, 6'2", 230, probably the single fastest tight end in the entire conference. Then there's, there's three other pass catchers to pay attention to. We've got another tight end in Coleman Coons who has nine catches for 106 yards. A lot of that in relief of uh, what Marshall Martin typically would be doing, but the soft Coleman sophomore has stepped up when he's had the chance at wide receiver, top two threats. We've got senior Carlos Hill. who's He's five foot 11 160 yards on 13 catches. He leads Sacramento State in catches. And then Devin Gandy, he's a six foot one sophomore. He leads Sacramento State in total yards. He has nine catches for 179 yards. Hill 
in his 13 catches, 160 yards. So another one of the other tests that Sacramento State's going to be able to throw, throw at Idaho is honest. Sacramento State's one of the few teams like Idaho with about four different pass catchers who for sure can hurt you in different ways. Uh, with Marshall Martin is just the dude to, uh, dude to pay attention to. He is going to explode at some point this season. The numbers don't pop out yet because of injury. And in the second game of the season against Texas A&M Commerce, he, he um, just out of precaution did not play. So he's, I don't know, he's kind of working his way into getting a rhythm with a first-year starting quarterback in Caden Bennett. Uh, but now we, we've hit both, most ends of Sacramento State offensively. This is a strong defensive team too, man. Um, Andy Thompson's a good defensive coordinator. Back when Tubbs at the club was covering the Idaho coaching search a handful of years ago before the name Eck kind of was the one that we heard about first and ultimately became the coach. Andy Thompson was a guy we talked about saying, hey, we'd be happy if Andy Thompson was the head coach to Idaho. There's a lot of big sky schools who'd be quite happy to have Thompson running the sidelines there. Uh, but there's some all big sky talent Thompson has at his disposal as well. Preseason uh, all big sky linebacker Armin Bailey leads the team in tackles. Uh, we also have cornerback Caleb Nelson is was another all big sky level talent. But the thing to pay attention to: too, Sacramento State has ten sacks in three games. They've only, they've only played D one games, guys. They, they don't they're not like Portland State where they have a Bible school or something like that that they pump these stats up on. They get they get to the quarterback pretty well. Uh, led by two two edge rushers, Jet Stanley, who has three sacks, uh, number 55 for those paying attention, who was all big sky in 2022. And on the other side, we've got Deshaun Lynch. He's got three sacks. So Sacramento State, they're they're strong, they're strong, steady offensively, still kind of finding their footing. Uh defensively, they're more or less picking up where they left off. The last three seasons, they've Sacramento State is under the radar, been one of the best defensive teams in the big sky. And that's that's part of why the team's number four, man. Uh, if you watch the Stanford game, Sacramento State hung with Stanford the entire way. And sure, Stanford sucks, but no Big Sky team has it has any business sticking with a team like Stanford through all four quarters, where it wasn't just like Stanford face planted. It was no Sacramento State absolutely looked like they were evenly matched with the Cardinals. So, any takeaways you have talking about Sacramento State on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, you mentioned it uh, basically right away. I mean, the sack numbers are what are going to kind of come after Idaho here. That offensive line has, I don't want to say underperformed because I don't think the expectations for that group coming in were really that high. I think their worst game of the season so far was against Lamar. You know, first game of the season, they gave up three sacks. And I think they've steadily gotten better against these FCS teams, but against, you know, Cal, they only got one sack, but McCoy was under duress. And McCoy was making plays as an improviser that, you know, were nice to see for his development, but it was out of necessity, and it was because the offensive line was giving up so much pressure. So that is going to be where the game is going to be won there, is making sure they could calm down um, that pass rush. And it would be nice, you know, if Idaho could be able to run the ball, but that's something I think – uh, that they've been struggling to do too, at least north and south. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a, a something that they need to improve on drastically uh, heading into Saturday's game. Yeah, and so with talking about just the Sac Sacramento State defensively, um, I think, you know, you, you hit it too. Is, look, Sacramento State's relatively strong bo both up front and in the secondary. Uh, I've got talented, but all big sky level talents at in both levels. 
But I think it's safe to say the identity of this team is trying to create pressure in the front seven, get to the quarterback and kill those running lines. So that, I mean, look, we're already, we're now pivoting to where, to what does Idaho need to do to, to come away with the win. But before we get to that, have to talk about show sponsor Snake River Stampede. And the other Easter egg I've got over my left shoulder, two bottles. One, here is the uh, Snake River Stampede 1915 small batch. And this bottle here is an old small batch bottle that I ripped the label off of because I've told you guys I buy Snake River by the handle exclusively, which means if I'm going to store it, I have to put it in different bottles. So this is just Snake River Stampede. This is the one that's going to be coming to the mayor tailgate and is going to be uh, given to them as a thank you from Tubbs the Club for feeding all of us as often as they do. But look, Snake River Stampede, both versions, doesn't matter which one you go with. They're great buys. Both of them have double barrel finishes. You're... Snake River Stampede entry level $25.95 for a fifth at Idaho State Liquor Stores. It's first fill bourbon, then Oloroso sherry casks. Your 1915 small batch is first fill bourbon and then X Canadian whiskey casks. That small batch, that's nicer. It's been aged a couple extra years. That's $38.95, but you, you really can't go wrong with either one. I mean, the entry level Snake River Stampede. At twenty five ninety five is one of the single best buys at Idaho State Liquor Stores. If you are do not have, if you haven't tried it yet, you need to try it this weekend, whether at home or at tailgating. But hey, thank you, Snake River. Now back to Trevin. What does Idaho need to do to be able to pick up a win? Because like I, we we just talked up Sac State. We both think this is going to be a close game. We both think top ten ratings for both these teams is hundred percent appropriate. So now from the Idaho end. What does Idaho have to do to control this? I think it's crazy because I think offensively they could kind of do whatever they want and it'll work because I think they're really good offensively, Idaho is. I think they, they, they're they clicking, they're firing on all cylinders, but it really comes down to how well that offensive line plays against such a good Sac State D-line. And I want to see them go back to dominating time of possession, but it starts with opening up the running lanes and that's the first key to victory for Idaho is being able to run the ball. Anthony Woods can make plays after contact because he's such a talented runner, but he should be averaging like four or five yards per carry because he's such a good running back. You know, he's such a good player. He can get those runs. He just needs those guys to open up some holes for, for him. On defense, they need to can stop. Can I pause you? I need to pause you real quick. Yeah. So we can just hit because we'll we'll hit both offense and defense. Oh, okay, sorry, I was going to go. I want no, that's okay, man. We have time. So yeah. I want to talk about Anthony Woods for like one second, because um, you look, you're right. Anthony Woods is going to need some touches. And look, Jason Eck in most FCS games, Idaho doesn't pass more than they rush. I think it's it's safe to say Jason Eck's interpretation of what Idaho needed to do against Cal was, I think, it was partially based off his correct assumption of what. Idaho's depth was going to be against Cal and there you go. I think that's why you saw the game plan you did. And in now in small defense, the offensive line, I honestly thought that was the best they've looked in pass protection the entire year. Cause there, there were a lot of place that Giovanni had a good amount of time in the backfield, but you are, I don't disagree. Mm -hmm. Idaho. I don't think Idaho rushed it as few times as they did because Eck had confidence in the line against, against Cal. But I think it's going to look different in an FCS game. Anthony Woods on the year, 63, uh, 42 rushes. You, you'll see what the, that verbal typo is from. Um, 
265 net yards, averaging 6.3 yards per carry. But a lot of that is still buttressed off that 92-yard rush. A 92-yard rush will do a lot for your averages. So I just bring that up to acknowledge. If someone looks it up, they're going to see Anthony Woods 6.3 yards per carry. What you're saying is Anthony Woods should be getting more steady chunks throughout the game. And he should, we should be watching Anthony Woods have to make something out of nothing like he did on that 19 yard touchdown run against Cal, which was a broken, that was a snuffed out broken play that Anthony Woods saved. You're saying we should be seeing fewer plays like that where Anthony Woods has to make people miss to get to those four or five yards and have his rushes look a little bit more like some of Isaiah Fonse's last week. Exactly. He's getting those four to six yard chunks and it's just, it's just churn. It's, it's wearing down the wearing down the opposing team's defense, and that's part of where Idaho gets back to that time of possession. But hey, I filibustered you shifting back offensively. You for sure want to see a more steady diet in the Idaho run game. What else? Yeah. So, and then I I would also like to see um, this really has no bearing on the game, but I would also like to see Hayden Haddon break the touchdown record at the Kippy Dome during the home opener. I think that would I think that would be not only good for Haddon, but I, I think for some reason, a home opener, a touchdown record, like that's, that's momentum in itself. So I would, I'd like to see him do that. And I'd like to see him do that early. And I think that would be a big momentum swing. So I, I think, I think you're hundred percent right. Idaho's going to want to run the ball and they're going to something I did like as a takeaway from the Cal game is Look, Idaho did run a little bit of their version of spread for a while. And look, if Idaho doesn't have the two fumbles, by uh, one by Jordan Dwyer and one from Therese Trainer, yeah, um, I, I think that I think we're we're ta- we're talking differently about how the game might might not have changed who won the game, but we're talking differently about the Idaho strategy if those two fumbles don't take place. So obviously, Idaho's got to got to hold on to the ball uh, with the factoring in those three. Uh, fourth down failed fourth down conversions that that was six turnovers against Cal. Well, the, the Idaho lost that game. And if Idaho's going to have a, effectively six turnovers against Sacramento state, they're, they're not going to win this game. One of the templates for Idaho last season was winning the turnover battle, which was part of how they were able to dominate time of possessions against some team. And look, I think Sacramento state, they don't do, they're not as dedicated as uh, Jason Eck is with sitting on the ball for the entire play clock to really grind it out. But I, I truly think Andy Thompson's version or vision of what offensive football should be. And Jason X vision of what offensive football should be. I don't think they're actually that different. Like Sacramento state no. runs some trick plays. You know, Idaho's going to have at least one trick play because Jason Eck and Luke Schleisner can't help themselves, which I'm, that's part of why we love them. Yeah. And that's part of the fun of Idaho. Uh, but what I, I also think we need to see is like, Hey, here's a brain dead analysis. Idaho needs to be effective running the ball. But uh, we also look Giovanni McCoy is going to need to have a strong game. He's going to have to make sure he doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't turn over much, but Hey, he's, He's thrown a couple picks this year, which every quarterback does. But, you know, he threw one against Cal when he was under duress. Uh, Making sure the offensive line gives him time to be less under duress is going to be a big deal. Uh, But I also think, even though I said some very nice things about the Sacramento State secondary, I don't think that any secondary in the big sky, in terms of one-on-one coverage, is going to be equipped to handle what's becoming a a pretty evenly distributed uh, catch sorry uh pass attempts 
That's through been- minus Hayden Hatton. Look, Hayden Hatton has 20 catches, leads away for Idaho on the season, 256 yards, two touchdowns. But Therese Trainers has he has 10 catches for 133 yards so far, and Jermaine Jackson's got 11 catches for 130 yards so far. Those three are all former All Big Sky players. Uh, those three, I think, are a handful for any team. But also, look, TJ Ivy is Good. looking. He looks Good. like he's he's emerging, honestly, as the number number four, number five pass catcher. Uh, yeah. he, he got hit a couple, he was hit with a couple passes uh, against Cal. Looks, look good. I truly think he's emerging as the bet, the strongest pass catching tight end in the wide receiver room. Um, so I guess I, the balance, what balance Idaho goes for offensively. Uh, I think it'll be closer to typical FCS games, but also um, Idaho is probably going to hope, going to expect the efficiency numbers out of McCoy, which were not bad against Cal are much closer to like what McCoy had against Nevada when he was 15 to 21. That's I think a little bit closer to the kind of pat to kind of uh, game Jason X going to want to have. But a lot of that is going to be dictated by can Idaho get out ahead? Uh, Cause yeah. the Sacramento look, we'll I'll throw back to you in a second. Forgive the filibuster. Uh, the Sacramento team can beat you offensively. They can beat you defensively. Well, Hey, Idaho's good. They can beat you offensively and defensively too. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, what what to you is most intriguing about Idaho and how they may be able to control the game against Sacramento State? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, too. I think Idaho's as efficient offensively against, like, an FCS level, you know, teams that are on their level, like at a big sky competition, that, like, they could pass the ball, run the ball with the amount of weapons that they have, and they could be successful. Um, defensively, though, you know, I've, I feel like I've hit it for like 32 minutes and nine seconds. You know, they, they need to stop Bennett as a runner, you know, first and foremost, and making sure that they can create some turnovers. I mean, what was it last year? It was like five or six games straight that they got a turnover. You know, they were their turnover margin was something crazy. Yeah, Idaho had the best turnover margin in the big sky last season. Yeah. That, was, that was a huge reason for the success the Vandals had. Yeah, so I mean, you know, getting getting some turnovers and you know Bennett as a passer isn't really something to be that scared of. He's he's more he's more intimidating as a runner, right? And Idaho's secondary right now, while Sac State has a lot of runners, you know, a lot of weapons running around, I think they they can hang with anybody. I mean, that is a good secondary that I don't think you know gets talked about a lot, and I know. You know, when I say that, you know, I'm mostly talking about myself, but, you know, that is a good, a good secondary. I mean, you got Marcus Harris, who I think is playing at an extremely high level. Like he can be in the league like Marcus Harris. And then you got, you know, young guys, Andrew Marshall, Armani, Armani Arnold, you know, Dwayne McDougal. They're all playing good. And then guys like Kyron Beecham, too. I mean, just coming out of nowhere playing well. Yeah, so like you hit the turnover thing right now, and that this hasn't mattered for Idaho yet, minus the the Cal game. But Idaho, Idaho's being doubled up uh, on turnovers right now. Vandals, Vandals have picked off three passes, but thrown two picks. Uh, downside is Vandals have recovered one fumble and lost four fumbles. So uh, that's it's not quite double. Sorry, Vandals have four turnovers, have forced four turnovers. They've given up six. That's minus two. Uh, being on the wrong side of that is that's not going to be good enough for winning in Sacramento State. Um, the one of the things I'm optimistic about though is 
Caden Bennett is he's he's a solid big sky quarterback. He's the top half of the big sky quarterback when you factor in his rushing. Uh, but he's not the best quarterback in the league for sure. He's relative to being a, a redshirt junior, though. He's young. He's old school. He's been at Sacramento State his entire career. So he, even though he's older than McCoy, as far as experience, he's played a lot less of collegiate football than Giovanni McCoy. And look, I've watched a good amount of every Sacramento State game. Caden Bennett is going to give the Idaho secondary two or three pick offable passes for sure. Uh, the guy's getting better each week, but his judge, he, he, he takes some gambles that I guarantee Andy Thompson does not want him to take. Like he threw, he threw a pick in the Stanford game into triple coverage. Like it was, it was also like, it was quite apparent triple coverage. He was under duress, but uh, Hey, quarterbacks make everyone makes mistakes under duress, but he, he has a few passes like that where he's trying to thread a needle that he probably shouldn't be threading. He has a, he has a good arm, but not a, doesn't have a best in the league arm by any means, or he's just a little bit off at times. And Idaho, when Idaho gets a shot to pick off Bennett and he will give them a shot, Idaho is going to have to do it. And Idaho has got the corners and the safeties to pull off those turnovers. We saw that for a year, but uh, Idaho needs to get on the right side turnover margin. And if, if they're going to stay close with Sacramento state, I think that's, that's one of the ways they're going to do it. I also think you brought it up. Idaho, Idaho has some better size on the defensive line that should help stopping the run. It, it, you, I don't think you, it's fair to point to Cal as evidence of not being able to stop the run because look, that's probably the best offensive line Idaho is going to see the entire year. And even though Isaiah Fonse was the backup running back for Cal, had he stayed in the big sky, this is not remotely close. He would, he would be the best running back in the conference this year. He's a very good dude. He honestly looked like a pro and he's the backup at Cal. Uh, so for Idaho, using that size, being able to pick off those passes, um, but I, I also want think we should pay attention to who who we have lining up in our in our three linebacker spots. Uh, Trey Thomas has been the middle linebacker for for this season. His is look the position he played at South Dakota before he came over to Idaho was outside. So whether. I'm hearing neck in the background, Trevin, so forgive me. It might be helpful if you can mute while I'm talking for a moment. Uh, but if if Trey Thompson moves to the outside at some point this season, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, he just looked a little bit behind on a handful play on more than a handful plays against Cal. But also, he's not going to be playing against Cal. So if he stays in the middle, fingers crossed, he looks more like the dude from the first two weeks. Uh, but we've got underclassmen, too, who are getting a little bit better every week. Dylan Lane always seems like he's in the right place. He... He's picked off. He's picked off two passes, I believe, this year. Or at least picked off one. Came close to picking off another. Um, Xtree Alexander looks like he hits in a way. Could you mute that again, Trevin? Xtree Alexander, when he hits, he you can see the raw athleticism that uh, made him so appealing as as a signee. So look, we've hit multiple multiple levels of what Idaho needs to do. Trevin, I'll mute myself, but real quick. If it's a close game, tell me three things that Idaho is going to pull off. Yeah, if it's a close game and Idaho pulls off a victory, you know, this is how Idaho is going to win the game. Idaho is going to be able to, you know, dominate time of possession, but be able to, you know, maintain what they want to do. You know, they're not going to get too into, you know, needing to run it on first and second down when it's, you know, not favorable for them because they have the weapons to be productive on offense. 
And then secondly, they're going to have to stop the run. I understand, you know, where people are coming from saying that, you know, the Cal game isn't a good mark to say, you know, they gave up 200 yards rushing to an FBS level team. The only com- the only reason I bring that up is because it's a fair comparison to say, you know, that's how Idaho lost games last year is that they allowed 200 yards rushing uh, to these teams that, you know, they lost games in. So they can't let that happen, obviously. And they got a quarterback who could run the ball. And that again was Achilles heel for Idaho last season. And, you know, they let Cal's running back kind of hurt him in the run game um, in that game as well. So they need to stop the run game, stop, you know, Bennett from being effective as a runner and uh, be able to operate effectively as an offense and get some takeaways. I'll add a fourth, a fourth one in there for you. We're going to get to score predictions in a moment. So, Hey, listeners, I'm going to hit comments in a moment. Forgive me for the delay uh, running. I I promise you guys, I'm the lowest tech producer we got. So I don't know. Deal with it. Before we get to score predictions and throw them in the comment section, Trevin got, we have to hear from Hughes River Expedition show sponsor, Run by a gr- great Vandal family, uh, Colin Scott Hughes, one of the greatest Vandals, at least around my age. So Hughes River Expedition, if you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest just protected wilderness, the continental U.S., located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river, no return, the salmon river canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed meteor shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring her close, let HRE handle the rest. So, hey, Hughes River, Hughes River has been Vandal owned and operated since 1976. They're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Give them a call right now. 800-262-1882 or check them out at hughesriver.com and guys it does not matter if you're a large group doing like a retreat or if you're just a family and you want to have a trip of your lifetime either works give call on a call score predictions they're going to be in the comment section trevin how's it going to go i think idaho comes out with the win i think this home open i do you think this is going to be a sellout crowd for this one? How many people do you think are going to be at the Dome? I called the ticket office today, and they've sold 5,600 tickets. That does not count students or the band. Factor in, there's probably going to be 1,000 to 1,500 walk-up walk up tickets purchased. Uh, 10,000, 11,000 is on the table. Uh, but I think what you're this is certainly going to be better than week one of last season. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be a sellout. Do you think it'll be more than the Eastern game last year, which I think was the the most they had? I think it was like 10,000-something. Well, homecoming I thought was the most, but uh, – Or it might have been. I, you might be right, yeah. I think it could compete. I think it could, it could contend with that, and the Dome doesn't need to be full full capacity to be, to be a kick-ass environment. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, I just, and acoustics. Yeah. But, hey, we have Andrew Townsend, comment section. Duffer's Tavern has Idaho winning 35-31. Tom Kendall, Idaho 37-31. Jason Mayer, Idaho 47. Sac State 17. That's a that's a pick, Jason. Colin Hughes, Idaho 44. Sac- Cal State Sacramento, that's for you, Colin. Uh, 35 points. Bart Holt, Idaho 38. Sac State 14. Roger Dorn, Idaho 31. Sac State 29. Too close for comfort. Trevin, you got to give us a score. You know, and, and I like the I like the blowout predictions because you know if Idaho like really hits the game plan on the head, they they could do that. 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it close though. I'm gonna say Idaho wins this one, 34 to 24, 10 point win. Nick Weber, Idaho, 42, Sac State, 6. Capdan, 58, Vandals by a TD, 38-31. I think this is a one-score game. And, look, I think here, – here's here's the way I think Vandal fans should understand this for a moment. If we flipped Nevada-Cal and said Idaho plays competitive against Cal in Week 2, then beats a the shit out of Nevada Week 3, are you that anxious that Sacramento State beat a shitty Stanford team? To me, uh, I mean, I'm still anxious, but not as much. There, there's not really much trepidation if you flipped the week two, week three results. So I'm going to go Idaho. But I think, dude, I think this is wire to wire. I, I, I'm going to go 38-35 Idaho. I this think it's crazy that the, the, the blowout scores. Anybody, so anybody gave their reasoning in the comments for some blowout predictions? Well, well, here's the thing. I think Idaho and Sac State are similar. Uh, if you're not paying super close attention to both teams in that preseason, you probably thought they were going to be strong, but you didn't think they're going to win the conference. You probably spent no seconds thinking these teams look like they're going to be playing for a conference championship. But week one, this is conference championship and playoff stakes. I mean, the winner of this game is going to go home and say, Hey, we are in the driver's seat now to be playing for a buy and seating you know, Sac State would be picking up their fourth win. Idaho would be picking up their third win. And both teams would be picking up their second impressive win. And whoever goes home is going to say, we probably lost to a good team. But you also, as a fan, might be recalibrating expectations to saying, hey, we're probably not going to win a conference title. We're playing for the playoffs. And that's that's probably the benchmark both these teams have against each other, unless it's close. So, look, with that said, we've got our score predictions. We need to get to picking the big sky. Uh, but for, before we pick the, the big sky – Got another important thing to, to pay attention to, guys. Homecoming is not that far away. It's October 14th. And if you are a vandal with a clue who's going to be in Moscow for homecoming, you need to go to Tapakeg. It's going to be Friday, October 13th. So right before homecoming from 3.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Dan O'Brien Track and Field Complex. That is right outside the Kibbe Dome. If, you, if you're not familiar with the complex, if you've been tailgating, you have seen this complex. It's going to have local and regional beer. Ciders and seltzers will be, they'll all be available to taste. We're going to have Oktoberfest-inspired food vendors and live music to enjoy. Early pricing ends pretty dang quick, guys. September 25th. You don't want to miss the event. Purchase tickets at go.uidaho.edu backslash tap the keg. I got to say it's the second year tap the keg's been going on. Last year kicked ass. This year is going to be better. So now we got to pick the rest of the big sky. And hey, uh, Tom Kendall, thank you for this. Uh, Tom Kendall, one Vegas line I saw was Sac State minus 6.5. So that's Vegas saying Sac State by almost a touchdown in huh. Moscow. Uh, Tom, if you have a link to that, feel yeah. free to throw that in the comment section. Um, I I don't think I'd be picking Sac State to win by a touchdown. I, I think it's just going to be close no matter what. So back to picking the big sky. And to the extent I can, guys, I'm going to bring up, uh, I'm going to let the power rankings also be involved in this picking, which I record that every Sunday covering the entire big sky. So while I buy a moment picking out the outline where I can fill this in, because uh, our hosts who have taken a break are not, uh, they, they have their picks too. Look, week this week is a sweet mix of good teams playing good teams. So like de facto playoff games, like the Idaho, Idaho Sac State game. 
And then we also have the, the dumpster fire playoffs are going on as well. And we're going to start there. First game, Cal Poly versus Portland States. Who do you have, Trevin? Cal Poly. I'll take I'll take Cal Poly in that. Portland State scored 91 against a what what level was Northern American or North American? NAIA and shitty NAIA. Yeah, no, that, that doesn't do anything for me. I'll take I'll take Cal Poly in that one. Okay, Dallas picked port, top five Portland State. Martin picked Cal, Cal Poly. Uh, we have Trevin picking Cal Poly. And okay, here, this is actually one of the toughest to pick because Cal Poly can pass the ball. They're, they're going to get some yards through the air. They led the big sky in passing they're, last year. They're going to be better this year because Sam Heward is better than Spencer Brash. But Cal Poly, they couldn't even run against Lincoln. They're just not going to be able to run against any team. And Cal Poly trailed 20-7 early against Lincoln. And the reason I bring that up is Cal Poly can't stop anyone. But we know nothing about Portland State because they've played only garbage games. I am with Patty in the comment section. I'm with Jason in the comment section. I'm going to go Portland State only, top five Portland State, sorry, only off the fact that Portland State looked kind of competitive against Wyoming. You have to squint because that game was all, even though it was a two-score game, it was never actually in doubt whatsoever. Um, My concern for Cal Poly is they just, I don't think they have the defensive depth to stop anyone whatsoever. And Sam Heward is one, Sam Heward is looking pretty good. He leads, i I'm going to, I'll bring the stat up when we're talking about another game, another team in a second. But uh, Sam Heward is going to get the reps to lead the big sky in total passing yards, but he hasn't played that much D1 football either. Look, right now, Sam Heward is number two in number two in completions in the big sky. He's number, number, uh, not number two in attempts, but right now, Heward. Heward averaging 253 yards per game through the air. Vesperis from um, from Eastern leads the way in the conference at 271. Heward's thrown seven touchdowns, but uh, Cal Poly's also played a pretty garbage schedule as far as their winnable game. So uh, we're done talking about this game. I also hate talking about Portland State, but I'm going to pick Portland State. The, five. <sighs> yeah, five. Man, tough. God damn it. So next game, this is one of the intriguing matchups. Eastern Washington at UC Davis. Martin has Davis. Dallas has has Eastern. The game's at Davis. Who are you picking, Trevin? Oh, it's at Davis. That's spicy. It's a spicy matchup, especially for Eastern because they're gonna they're gonna host Idaho next week. I'll take Eastern for that. I'll take Eastern to upset over UC Davis just to be a uh, be different. So no we, other reason. Look, we saw last week. Eastern won by about by two scored 40 points against Southeastern Louisiana uh, and won the game, won a game. Look, they, Eastern could have easily won that game by four scores. Uh, Eastern to me looks markedly better uh, than they did last season, much more physical defensively. Uh, Kiko Vesperis is a huge upgrade at quarterback. I already brought up. He leads the league in pass attempts right now, leads the league in passing yards per game right now. Uh, he's kind of the engine of that offense, but I, I UC Davis just barely beat uh, Southern Utah by two. Uh, they've looked a little, un- they've looked underwhelming so far, minus the Texas A&M commerce is uh, awful Southland teams. So I don't care. Um, I'm going to go with Eastern in this game. I think Cal Poly, not Cal, I think UC Davis right now, they're on fraud alert uh, after a couple underwhelming games to me. 
So next game, next game that we have to talk about after I entered these in, this is the, uh, another dumpster fire bowl. <laughs> dumpster. It, yeah, no, it's, this is part of it. The number 12 Northern in the big sky podcast number power rank is Northern Colorado bears host the number 10 Idaho state Bengals. Hmm. We'll go Northern Colorado here. I I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I think like I, I would know like coming in, like if, you know, you invited me here for Sac state and, you know, I could, I could rattle off, talk to you about Sac state. I think I could do that for pretty much any of the big sky teams except for probably these two. I don't really know a whole heck of a lot about them. So I'm, I'm going to take Northern Colorado in this matchup. Okay. In eight FCS quarters, not count, counting the WSU game, Northern Colorado scored 19 total points. The Bears look like they can neither score nor defend. Now, from the Idaho State end, and I look, I, I've watched a bit of Idaho State. Uh, they're they're not going to try to run against anyone. They're going to pass a minimum of forty five times. They might even pass fit, pass up to upwards of sixty. Uh, they have two quarterbacks. They play both Jordan Cook and Hunter Hayes. Jordan Cook's a younger dude. He's got the stronger arm. Hunter Hayes is more experienced. His stats look better, but he's also played more of the garbage time snaps. <sighs> this is a tough one to me because Idaho State's defense is such garbage that if they're not clicking offensively, they are sprinting to, they're like the antithesis of a Jason Eck team. They're sprinting to third and third and long and punting. And then they can't stop anyone, but Northern Colorado, uh, they, they do have a relatively strong running back, David Afari, but that's, a, you're, you're kind of stretching to look for anything positive takeaway over Northern Colorado against FCS teams. So I am going to go with, and not feel good about this and probably not pick Idaho state the rest of the year. I'm going to go with Idaho state because I think Northern Colorado is shitty enough that they're going that Cody Hawkins, who at least is making Idaho must watch for like uh, Idaho state must watch for a quarter, just see what the hell they're doing. I think Northern Colorado could make them look competitive. I think Idaho state's going to be able to exploit a, a garbage secondary. So I'm going Idaho state and Dallas and Dallas and I differ here. Dallas goes Northern Colorado. Martin goes Idaho state. So now I'm a little bit anxious that I, uh, that, that was my pick. So next game, not a, uh, not a dumpster fire bowl, but, uh, and I'll hit all, and I'll get everyone in the comment section guys. Forgive me. Montana versus NAU. NAU number 11 in the Big Sky Podcast Network power rankings off the strength of being down 37 to 7 against a Utah Tech team who lost to Montana by 40 some points. Martin, of course, picked NAU because he will never pick Montana. Dallas picked Montana because why would why in God's name would you pick NAU who they're they're floundering? Trevin, where are you going? Well, I'm gonna pick Montana also, but I mean you talked about fraud alert. I mean probably put Montana in fraud alert category. I know they're three, three and oh, but I don't, I'm not impressed with the three and oh. Well, the reason you're not impressed with Montana's three and oh is the, the, the issues from last year aren't going away. Uh, reshuffling the deck chairs has not improved Montana's offense whatsoever. The, the Grizzlies truly look like they have no idea what in God's name they're trying to do offensively. And they, they don't lack for talent. It's, uh, like, hey, give Luke Schleisner to Montana, and this team is going is probably scoring over thirty five a game. 
Uh, but they against Ferris State, a good D2 team. But look, I, I love look, I love the Grizz fan pod. They're worth listening to. And I know Ferris State is good for a D2 team, but I'm not buying the moral victory of beating a very good D D2 team. I I think Montana's fans should absolutely be anxious. And the Grizz don't look as strong up front defensively as they have in the last few seasons. That said, Northern Colorado's garbage. Sorry, my, you know why I had that verbal typo? It's because Northern Colorado and Northern Arizona are both terrible. So, look, this is a pretty easy pick for Montana. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a closer game than it should be because Montana didn't even break 200 yards against Ferris State. The Grizz are great at uh, shooting themselves in the foot offensively. But I'm going to go Montana in this game. I'm going to spend no time thinking about it whatsoever. Now another one of our playoff implication games. Weber State. Host Montana State, Trevin. Dallas and Martin both picked Montana State. Worth worth bringing up, uh, quarterback Tommy Malott will not be playing this game for Montana State. So what they do uh, with playing the both Malott and Chambers at the same time, the creativity they have potentially doing that, that's off the table. Montana State last week passed about as much as they rushed against Stetson, trying to look like they're going to be a team that passes the ball. We all know that's, that's going away. But who are you picking, Montana State or Weber State? You know, I like Weber State. I think I think this this matchup is kind of similar to how it feels like like an Idaho Montana State matchup where it's like Weber and Idaho are both kind of in that that point where it's like they could a win over Montana State would put them in position to win a big sky title and they're both right there. Uh I'm I'm going Montana State. I can't I can't pick the not right now. Okay, so Trevin goes Montana State. Man, I'm going Montana State, but part of that is because look, Weber State has the big guys leading rusher, uh, Damon Bankson, who's very talented dude. Uh, and it's it's honestly surprising that the dude's leading the big guy in rushing because he is playing behind, honestly, to me, the least talented quarterback in the league in, uh, in Kylan Weisler. Um, I just don't think Weiser has what it takes to to be a solid big sky quarterback. Uh, look, Damon Banks in averaging 107 yards rushing per game. One of those is a D2 game, but whatever. Um, I just – Weber's still strong defensively. Um, Abraham Williams is the he's – a, he's a cornerback, and he's the best kick returner in the big sky. Any smart big sky team is going to kick the ball just away from that dude. He already has like – he's our, I believe he already has five or six kickoff returns for touchdowns in like two years. So – Williams Williams is electric, but I don't think Weber's together offensively enough. I don't think they have the tools to do what Mickey Mental wants to do. So I'm going to go Montana State in this game. And if you now, if you decided, hey, in the power rankings is what I trust, your picks for this game would have been. You would have gone with Portland State over Cal Poly. You would have gone with Eastern over Davis. You'd go with Idaho State over Northern Colorado, Montana over NAU, Montana State over Weber, and then Sacramento State over Idaho. So take that for what it's worth. Trevin, one, we have to hear from other show sponsor, and then we'll go back to the comment section, which I have been neglecting this week. Forgive me, dudes. Other show sponsor. Hey, Tubs of the Club. We sponsor ourselves, guys. Patreon.com backslash Tubs of the Club. Join the only hashtag only Tubs Discord, which is the single most active online place for Vandal Chat during game day. It's constant. It's fun. It doesn't have any of the bullshit that most awful internet chat or like posting sites have. It's people who are interested in Vandal stuff. It's people who are 
it's not like it's not just like positive it's just all the dumb stuff in play, that things like twitter have or other websites have like it just doesn't exist there it's just it's fun interested vandals and hey it's a great great way to, way to get familiar with people that you then see when you're tailgating so support support tubs the club patreon.com backslash tubs at the club comment section just blindly scrolling through we had a lot of a lot of fun discussion about montana so for fun i'm going to do that first more important martin is brian wearing a purple silk robe uh no this is a brooks brother polo you're welcome uh nick weber unc gets relegated to the whack does that mean nick weber picked unc to lose i'm not sure uh, Nick Weber, NAU beats Montana 10 to 7. That's on the table, man. Uh, Bart Holt, Montana should beat NAU. Patrick, Patty Furks, that's gross. I don't know what you're talking about, Patty, but I know it's not my shirt. Sean Foster, I had a whole bar in Honolulu cheering for the Vandals on Saturday. That was a great hour. Thank you, Sean. Uh, ambassador for, for University of Idaho. Fellow teacher. Thanks, dude. Colin Hughes, Montana wins another one in unbelievably uninspiring fashion. Captain 58, Grizz fans think they're on the right track <laughs> after beating NAU, man. Jason Mayer, UM takes their uninspiring win over Ferris out on NAU, but are they similarly uninspiring? Roger Dorn, Missoula will burn if NAU wins. Turner Webb, NAU gets their first win. UM has played a week schedule thus far. That is not wrong. If, look, here's a different way to understand Montana, and I'm not trying to just force force us to talk about Montana, yeah. but Trevin, think about every solid-looking Big Sky team. Okay, vision in it. Okay. If they had the Montana three-week schedule, which I can pull up, uh, including Ferris State, including Utah Tech and Butler, what good Big Sky team would not be 3-0? and I agree with you. Yeah. What okay Big Sky team would not be three and zero? Think Eastern would. You don't think Eastern would be three? No, no, I'm asking. I'm asking you. That's why I was. Oh, oh brain dead. I. Yeah. You know, if I were, if Montana played Eastern today, I don't care where the game is. I'd pick Eastern so far. Yeah. I, I think. I think so too. Well, if if Montana's going to score twenty ish points a game, if they're not going to pass twenty times a game, if they're going to be uninspiring. They have a a freshman running back who does look pretty good, uh, Eli Gilman. But, man, I don't think Montana is nearly as inventive as they need to be. And I don't – look, I don't think you need to have some Troy Taylor, Jason Eck, Luke Schleister, whatever level of complexity to your play calling at all. But you need to not suck. And look, when we talked about way back, just, hey, going back in the Tubbs archive, when we talked uh, initially, because we, I know for a fact, Brent Peace interviewed for the Idaho job. Uh, and we talked initially about Brent Peace looking like a candidate because he interviewed. Dallas was not stoked on that. And what Dallas pointed to was like, hey, look at Brent Peace got fired most recently from Utah, from UTEP. And they had one of the worst offenses in the in the nation. Well, Brent Peace is doing his best to make sure Dallas looks right. Uh, with that take. Now, I don't know how much that's because of what Bobby Houck will allow his offensive coordinator even do, but uh, Grizz fans are pretty confused about what the hell they're doing offensively. So, you know, look, if Idaho had that schedule, Idaho would be averaging like 48 points a game right now. I, I agree with you. Yeah. So back to the comment section and we're done talking Grizz football. Uh, <laughs> we have 
Cotton Barthold, I would laugh if Montana loses. Nick Weber, correction, 9-7. Martin Heemstra, Hauk is on the right track, Brian. He needs more time, Brian. Yeah, he needs Colin, more time. <laughs> Colin, yeah. Uh, he's in his fifth year. So Mon- I think I, Montana well, is what they're going to be. With Every time like the right track, more time. I just think Zach Claus because that was just that. That's funny. Anyway. Man, we'll get you on basketball and we'll bring that story back. Uh, okay. Captain 58 Grizz fan pod worth listening to. If you have five hours to kill. Yes. Martin, is he a nice guy though? Nick, sorry, Nick Weber to Martin. Is he a nice guy though? Talking about how yeah. Tom Kendall, number five, Idaho after an emotional win, Sac state drops his first big sky contest since 2019. Idaho is going to have a great home field advantage this year. Bart Holt, Montana three NAU two man. Uh, we're really hitting that section. Okay, I got I gotta push through a couple other things. Tom Kendall, it's elite passing attack. Idaho will stress uh, Sacramento State's defense that ranked number ninety one in the FCS with two forty three yards passing allowed per game. Loss. Nick Weber, Popcats thirty five twenty four. I think that means he's picking. Is that Weber? You say well, Nick. I, I don't know which cats you're picking, man. But since you're a dad, I'm assuming that means the the Weber State. But maybe you can add clarity. Jason Mayer, MSU puts a hole into Weber. Well, the show got X-rated fast. Uh, puts puts a hole into Weber. Bart Holt, Montana State forty, Weber State one. Martin Heemstra, he's that parents at a party where if a kid is holding a beer for their parents, they'll pick up a fuss. Jesus Christ, man. I made a mistake saying I was going to read all these comments because this is the fun part of our live show is we have a super active uh, active oh, comment section, man. So I'm gonna, speaking of holes, I'll just keep digging this one. Uh, Bart Holt, Weaver State, 15. I don't know if that means they're going to win by 15 or what. Uh, Tom Kendall, Montana State, 33. Nick's surname, 14. I know that one. Uh, Patty Firks picks MSU. Captain 58. Weaver throws, Weaver throws five safeties out of the end zone this year. They got a top last year's four. Cats win by 14. Captain 58, according to Tom Kendall. That was wild. Tom Kendall never seen that before in a game because no one has. Uh, Nick Weber, rat bastards can't pronounce it correctly and are way behind on royalty payments. <laughs> God damn, Nick. I, I blame this because producing and hosting is actually kind of a lot to do it's like at once. So it's like Tubbs comments out of context. I have, I have, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. Uh, again, I, I'm going to keep digging this hole, guys. And hey, Dallas and Martin, this is your own damn fault for not being here. This is what you get if I'm going to be hosting. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm not doing a good job guiding us on the right track. <laughs> oh, we are. Uh, Captain58, hashtag only tubs for the win. Martin, home games might be different if because might be different because most of us are at the game because services dog shit in the dome. He's talking about the Discord. You're right. It's more active during road games. Uh, we do what we can. Oh, man. I... Sean Foster, Brooks Brothers Polo, the silk robe of the golf course. Except I don't golf, but you're not wrong. Uh, Bart Holt, Montana's old school and now a has-been. Oh, man. Okay, guys, I love you. I'm going to skip a few of these. I did not understand how far behind I was. Roger Dorn, whose name I have not said for a while. Yeah, I didn't know if the Zach Claus thing ran its course. Glad you brought it up. You're welcome. Uh, Bart Holt, Montana State 40, Weber State 15. Patty Furks, another NEU QB will get ejected for targeting. That's an old one talking about Case Cookus. Nick Weber, now I'm just trying to come up with random things to get Brian to read. Mission accomplished, Nick. Well done. But again, we have two delinquent hosts. Yeah. Trevin's a guest. He's not. I don't even know what Trevin can see because he's not logged into our system in the background. No, Nick no. Weber, this is turning into the McCaffrey of episodes. Ouch. 
And I think that means it's time to close this down. So, all right, dudes, thanks for coming. The Trevin. McCaffrey of episodes. Ouch. Dude. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> any Trevin, any parting words? Uh, no, I think that was uh, that made my night reading those Tufts comments without context. I think that would be a that would be a funny Twitter page if someone made that. If you guys just like screenshotted Tubbs comments and posted them on Twitter, Tubbs comments out of context, that'd be hilarious. But uh, yeah, I'll be at the uh, Idaho game, obviously covering it. If you guys see me around, come say hi. You know, I've been wanting to meet a lot of you. So. <laughs> Jason Mayer in the comment section really testing right now whether I will absolutely read anything uh, <laughs> explaining what San Diego is Spanish for. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Anchorman, I'm, I'll, I don't want to spoil that for you. That's Nick good. Weber, at least it's not the class of episodes, which we're getting dangerously close to, I suppose. Hey, we um, would be on the right track if it was. <laughs> no, man. Hashtag right track. So, okay. Hey, guys. Um, we're going to see you all at the Dome Buyer Tickets. And hey, hit the subscribe button once once uh, Tubbs on YouTube hit, hit subscribe. Once Tubbs gets to a thousand subscribers, YouTube has no choice but to pay us some pennies. So uh, help us out. Otherwise, guys, I'm going to call this a night. I'm going to hunt through our tabs to find out what in God's name I'm supposed to click to end this episode. But anyway, thanks for joining, everyone. Go Vandals! Jesus Christ. <laughs>